0: Welcome to the Leadership Institute's Wednesday Wake Up Club Breakfast Podcast, recorded live every first Wednesday of the month here at the Stephen P.J. Wood Building in Arlington, Virginia. January 2015's breakfast speaker was Tom Fitton, president of Judicial Watch. In this speech, Tom talks about the mission of Judicial Watch and notable scandals in the Clinton and Obama administrations. So get some peanut butter on your bagel and take a sip of your Arnold Palmer because you're listening to the Wednesday Wake Up Club Breakfast Podcast.
1: Are you looking to launch your career? Do you want to gain real professional experience while sharpening your media skills? Then apply today to be a studios intern here at the Leadership Institute. As a studios intern, you'll master Adobe programs and get behind the scenes access to media professions
0: across the board. Just go to leadershipinstitute.org and click on the career tab to learn
1: more. That's leadershipinstitute.org and click on the career tab to learn more. Thank you, everyone, and good morning. Well, you know, usually as a speaker, you stand between the group and dinner or the group and lunch or the group and getting home. But I'm in the enviable position of standing between the group and going to work, so I guess I can. I can talk for as long as I need to. Uh, you know, Judicial Watch has been around for about 20 years now, and we began uh, during the Clinton administration. Let me just go back. Uh, what an honor it is uh, to be here at Leadership Institute. My first job uh, was courtesy of Morton Blackwell. I worked for the International Policy Forum at the time, and. If I recall, that was, uh, they were going to Chile back then, too, and that was 25 years ago. And I also worked for a leadership institute as well. We weren't over in this nice new building, but we were the Right to Work building in Springfield, Virginia. And, um, you know, I was lucky to fall in with Morton and the Leadership Institute because young people coming into Washington, I, I was a conservative. I read National Review. I didn't know what I was doing, though. I was—I did not know what I was doing, and I would have worked for anyone who would have given me a job. Uh, but I found Morton in the want ads of the of the uh, leader of uh, National Review, and um, and here we, here we are today. And uh, what an honor it is to not only be at Leadership Institute and be the first speaker of the year in 2015, but I can tell you it's a real honor to be working at Judicial Watch. Because I'm sure you've seen our work. And I'm sure we have many supporters here in the, office, here in the meeting here today. Uh, but I can tell you it is a lot of fun. And uh, the idea that you can see things in the newspaper, read things um, that get you upset, because we all get upset about corruption in Washington, D.C., but be able to go to the office and do something about it. Say, you know, I read this in the paper. We ought to do this. Boy, that guy's a real bad guy. Is there a way we can sue them? You know, that's that's kind of a that kind of gets you going every morning, that, as you might imagine. And uh, Judicial Watch started during the Clinton years, and corruption during the Clinton years was a um, a, a growing concern. Um, we had a president sexually assaulting women in the Oval Office, selling out our nation's nuclear secrets in exchange for campaign contributions to the communist Chinese. Uh, essentially, missile technology was transferred to the Chinese that, better, that allowed them to better target us to, for annihilation. Um, and all that was courtesy of campaign contributions. All of that was greased by uh, campaign contributions. You had Chinese generals walking into the White House in the, in the context of political donations. So it was a real crisis. So of course, what did Republicans do? Uh, they sought to impeach and remove President Clinton about lying about a sexual harassment um, act, uh, about sexual harassment, and I don't I don't think that was um, I think that was sufficient to remove him from office, uh, but there was a lot more they, they could have charged him with, and one of the dirty little secrets about the Clinton operation was his misuse of government agencies, including the IRS to target conservatives. Uh, I know Judicial Watch was audited at the tail end of the administration, the Heritage Foundation, many, many other organizations were audited during the, Obama, uh, the Clinton administration. And not only that, the Clinton gang had their private lawyers in the context of these criminal investigations into them, and the private lawyers had private detectives, all on the employ of President and Mrs. Clinton. Now think about that. The President has private detectives running around Uh, essentially doing dumpster dives and intimidating witnesses against him, his own little private KGB. And, uh, you know, those are the sorts of stories about the Clinton administration you won't hear as we go into the next year or two. As I affectionately refer to Mrs. Clinton, St. Hillary of the Grand Jury, the only first lady to be subject to a criminal investigation and the uh, only first lady uh, to, frankly, just escape by the skin of her teeth and a, I think, a poor prosecutorial decision, and Monica Lewinsky uh, from not being indicted for lying and obstructing justice, and um, the ministra- uh, the Clinton gang has treated uh, their offices, or their public office, as a way to raise money, and keep themselves uh, public, uh, privately, um, well off, and uh, we see that during the Obama administration as well. Maybe I'll get into a little, a little too. Uh, I'll get into that a little bit more later in uh, my talk, and then during the Bush administration, you had the Bush people come in and say, well, well, you know, people wanna move on from the Clinton administration, so therefore we're not gonna do anything in terms of holding the president to account. So all the corruption of the Clinton administration disappeared, not because um, uh, it ended, not because there was accountability, just because President Bush decided it was politically more convenient uh, to not focus on scandals. You know, Republicans like criminal um, and political corruption scandals from Democrats as a way to get themselves into office, as a way to position themselves politically. But when it comes to doing the hard work and the unpleasant work of enforcing the rule of law in a way that is substantial and uh, leads to real accountability, they always pull back. And I've always believed that Democrat criticism, however, you know, hypocritical and and uh, you know, considering the source of Republicans saying that their interest in corruption of the Clinton era was political, it turned out to be largely true. Because if they were truly serious, you would have had the the President Bush uh, really criminally prosecuting uh, his predecessor and many of his appointees, and that didn't happen, and that was for political reasons. And to me. Uh, that is a, a, a issue of corruption that uh, uh, we're still wrestling with today because the Clinton gang is back. Clinton hasn't changed his stripes. Hillary hasn't changed her stripes. And uh, we can thank, um, you know, the, the mantra these days are, are thanks Obama, uh, thanks Bush uh, for uh, having the Clintons uh, still around. And, and, and the idea that the Clinton gang, Mr. Clinton who was impeached, lost his bar license The fact that he is still given any time of day in this city uh, shows you just how decrepit uh, Washington remains in terms of its respect for ethics and the rule of law. And that's what Judicial Watch focuses on. We're nonpartisan. We just want transparency. We want to find out what the government's up to. Where possible, we'll sue politicians directly. We'll sue government agencies directly. Uh, During the Bush years, we battled the uh, Bush administration on transparency issues. Uh, Dick Cheney had this idea and, and President Bush had this idea that uh, they should not be uh, held accountable through the Freedom of Information Act and, and other laws guaranteeing transparency and accountability. And uh, we took Dick Cheney all the way up to the Supreme Court, not him personally, but his office. And you know, the administration, the Bush administration, was willing to go to the Supreme Court in order to keep private discussions lobbyists were having with cabinet agencies about energy policy. You know, that's a real interesting uh, battle, a real interesting hill to die on uh, for the Bush administration. And, you know, and it's one thing to say, uh, you know, loose lips sink ships, and national security information should be private, but to assume that discussions between energy lobbyists Uh, And by the way, if it was the EPA, the environmentalists went over to the EPA because that's where all all their friends were, even during the Bush administration. And the oil industry went to Interior because that's where all their friends were during the Bush administration. But whichever special interest, they were going to their various uh, agencies uh, to try to get their way on energy policy because of this energy task force. Uh, But the administration took the position, those discussions were as sensitive to the president's functioning in office, has discussions with his CIA director in the Oval Office. You know, that to me was ridiculous and obviously undermined uh, the president on, on A, national security, uh, but made it look silly in the end uh, because uh, the American people uh, had a bad taste in their mouth as a result of uh, this un, uh, untoward secrecy by the Bush administration. And the Bush people and, and the Republicans when they took over in 1994, they thought, well, we're not the Clintons. We're not the Democrats. Uh, we're good people. We have good policies. So therefore, issues of corruption, we should be immune from scrutiny about. And Judicial Watch took a different view on that. And and some of our friends didn't like our criticism of uh, Republican activities in Congress and um, in the Bush administration. But uh, the fact is, we sued the Bush administration twice as many times as the Clinton administration. So. Uh, when the Clintons come back in <coughs> in two years, or if they come back in in two years, just keep that little stat um, in your back pocket, uh, the Bush administration's secrecy was terrible. And uh, there was good reason The president, uh, this president promised to be the most transparent administration in history, because he knew that was a winning talking point. Now, of course, that was one of the biggest lies of our generation, you know, the uh the, this is the, this is our, you know, Democrats they like they say they're transparent and then they shred documents. That's what the Clintons do. Or in the case of Obama, they just refuse to tell you to do, tell you, uh, refuse to obey the law and give you the documents with at least with Republicans. They don't like these laws and they fight you in court. But at least you know where they stand on. Them. And And um, I don't know what's worse, you know someone who doesn't think the law ought to apply to them and, don't, and, and doesn't want to follow it and, 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 and is against, um, in principle, the idea of scrutiny of uh, government agencies, or someone who says they're in favor of it and shreds documents and, and um, essentially takes more extreme positions legally to prevent that scrutiny uh, than anything George Bush would have dreamed of. Uh, but the, uh, you know President Obama has proven to be a real challenge to our system. I then put that charitably. A real challenge to our system. Uh, Not only in terms of transparency, but the rule of law. And I think when you look back over the Clinton years and the Bush years, you see elements of the IRS, the lack of transparency, using your office to raise money. Everyone knew it was corrupt. No one really liked it. But with Obama, everything's metastasized, hasn't it? Everything's metastasized, and, um, and if I could just issue one uh, corrective that I think the media has put out there that I think is false, is that the issue with Obama is one of policy, the way he conducts himself in office, and you don't have the issues of personal corruption that you have with Bill Clinton, and I beg to differ with that. You know, This is a man who was able to buy his house as a result of uh, his dealings with uh, a gentleman who's now in jail in Illinois. Now, this is a man who, uh, I think it's set a record, was interviewed by the FBI in that criminal investigation of the selling of his Senate seat by his aides and his closest advisors. Um, He was interviewed by the FBI in December after he was elected to the presidency. So as president-elect, the President uh, Obama was interviewed by the FBI in that criminal investigation. Normally, presidents have to be in office for six years before the FBI comes knocking on their door. In this case, the president-elect was interviewed by the FBI in December. Um, the media has expressed little interest in getting access to that FBI interview. We've been bugging the FBI about it, but they haven't uh, pushed uh, given it to us for reasons you might imagine. Uh, but with the Obama administration, we saw a radical increase in the size of government. And if you're a liberal, you may think that's good. If you're a conservative you obviously uh, agree with us that it's a bad idea. Uh, But as conservatives, we understand that the bigger the government, uh, the less accountability. And the more likely that you're going to have secrecy, the more likely, as a result of that secrecy, you'll have corruption. And our innovation has been using the Freedom of Information Act, which was passed over uh, 1967 during the uh, Johnson administration. It applies only to the white, uh, to the Executive branch, not the Congress, by the way. So you know, Congress, of course, being honorable in that regard. The uh, but the Freedom of Information Act had traditionally been used by the left in the 70s and the early 80s to harass the national security establishment. It was used by the anti-anti-communists to go after the FBI and the CIA, find out what they were doing in Central America, and and to find out about. Uh, things the FBI were doing against, uh, was doing against uh, uh, the radical left here at home. And the law allowed them to get access to information. And it was the province of people like Ralph Nader and, and, and lefty groups like that. And Judicial Watch was the first organization of the cons- on the conservative side to really use this Freedom of Information Act, which gives uh, citizens and groups access to information about government operations. Uh, For our values, our focus is on we have a limited government perspective, strong national defense traditional moral values, all the pillars of the conservative uh, movement that I think many of us share. Uh, And obviously, um, you know, individual freedom and economic liberty. Uh, Usually the people under using FOIA and the media and the left at that time didn't share any of that. So when they were investigating the government, they wanted to find out why the government wasn't spending enough money on welfare, or how civil rights were being impacted uh, by uh, the use of our uh, uh, of the FBI uh, to monitor uh, violent terrorists here at home who were leftists. Uh, that was their concern. Our concern was understanding that virtually everything the government did was had essentially it was a, there was a racket behind it, and asking questions about it. We did that during the Clinton years. We obviously did that during the Bush years, and with the Obama administration, the government's grown by about a third, uh, but the oversight has decreased tremendously. I mean, the last I checked, and I'm just uh, the the numbers used to be, you know, five or six thousand oversight hearings a year from Congress, and that number has decreased by about a third. So you've had government spending increase this much, and oversight decrease this much. And the oversight, as you know, is quite weak. It's uh, Congress is the fire department that shows up after your house burns down and puts water on the mess. And, in fact, they had been there three days earlier giving uh, matches to the three-year-old in your house and and the money to go buy gasoline. And then they show up after the house burns down and says this is outrageous. Uh, Congress is woefully uh, uninterested, uh, terribly uninterested in monitoring agency behavior And uh, as a result, uh, we have agencies that are really out of control. And to the degree you have uh, oversight, the agencies tend to hijack the congressional committees. And so in the case of intelligence, for instance, it's hard to see where the CIA ends and the intelligence committee begins, uh, certainly in the House of Representatives. So it's a really terrible insular activity uh, process that we have here. And Judicial Watch shows us the way out. You know, I really think our our system's at stake here. We have a Congress that writes checks for quite literally for $1.4 trillion at the end of the lame duck, over a trillion dollars, with its eyes closed, writing a check with its eyes closed. A bill that had two two days' notice. No one knew what was in it, but they were just going to fund the government in a trillion-dollar swipe Then we have agencies that refuse to abide by the law, refuse to be accountable. We have a president who thinks the rule of law doesn't apply to him. Now, I don't know what you think, but that does not sound to me like self-government. And I think we're in this state in our nation where we've got the forms of self-government. We have campaigns, elections, votes. But if once Congress gets to town, they write money, they write checks, spend your money, don't do any oversight, don't do, figure out whether the money is being wasted or abused. And the, agent, and the president doesn't think he's required to follow the law. He can change the law on a whim. And then you have agencies who refuse to turn over basic information about their operations. That's not self-government. And so what's nice about this Freedom of Information Act, it's a way of the citizenship bringing back government bringing back control, bringing back accountability, because we need to be uh, the the the, um, the overseers of government. And Judicial Watch is a, a non-governmental organization that in many ways is doing the job of government, doing the job of the Justice Department, doing the job of Congress, and certainly doing the job of the major media. And we've had great success in the Obama years. And I can go... Uh, <coughs> We've done, let's say, 2,000-plus, I think 2,500 Freedom of Information Act requests against the Obama administration. I shouldn't say against the Obama administration. We lodged them with the administration. And we've had to sue 200 times in court, 200 times. Last year, Judicial Watch filed, I'm using the fiscal year, I hate this, but it. Last year ended in October, for those of us here in Washington, in terms of the fiscal year. We filed more freedom of information lawsuits than all the big media combined, 34 in that fiscal year. And we were asking for information that you read about in the newspaper. You think, well, this is big news, but no one else follows up on it. You know, back in the administration, I'll talk about Nancy Pelosi, because there's a way sometimes of getting information about Congress by asking the agencies about what Congress is communicating with them about. And you may remember when Nancy Pelosi took over, she said she was going to clean up the swamp in Washington. Again, you hear that anti-corruption message? You know, there's a lesson there for conservatives and, um, uh, and, and, and people trying to say, what, what issues uh, we can reach out across the aisle on? How about corruption? How about transparency? How about accountability? Democrats talk about it. Republicans talk about it. Everyone thinks Washington is corrupt. Boy, there's a big opportunity there for politicians with a sustainable and real substantial reform agenda. So we're getting back to Nancy Pelosi, who said she had that reform agenda. We actually worked with her to reform the House ethics ethics process. I knew we were window dressing uh, they wanted a conservative uh, imprint on the work they were doing, uh, but it was the right thing and we did we did work with uh, her people on that issue but Nancy Pelosi was in the newspaper about flying back to her home district on air Force jets. you didn't know this, but the Air Force has an entire wing of luxury travel jets geared to uh, moving cabinet agency officials uh, the president and and members of Congress around the country and around the world—they've got small private jets, business-style jets, and larger aircraft, you know, air, from Air Force One down, down uh, and the and the larger aircraft. Imagine, you know, traditional commercial aircraft that you uh, travel on—it's all first class. And then that's a, that's a major wing out of the Air Force, uh, out of Andrews Air Force Base. So there were complaints in the media in the Washington Times about Nancy Pelosi misusing that travel, treating it like a taxi service. And I can tell you, um, we did a Freedom of Information Act request on that. And what happened was, uh, there was just some pushback, and it was the Washington Times, and the media moved on. But we didn't move on. And so we got the documents. We had to, I think, sue probably for them. And we showed and confirmed that, indeed, she was abusing her travel. And and not only that, um, that you could read the emails, and this is this is what I love about my work at Judicial Watch is the ability to kind of look at the documents, and it really makes our work easy with the media, because you know you can trust me, what I'm telling you about the documents, or you can trust the documents. So you could, you know there's always a backup for what we're saying, and when you see the Air Force officials writing with the speaker's office about congressional travel and her travel, you, you want to, your head would explode. And this is our Air Force talking. You know, having to deal with these politicians, flying them around and being treated like uh, servants. And you can, you, can, you can almost see them typing the emails, smiling through gritted teeth. But Nancy Pelosi isn't the only person who uses this travel. It's called CODELs, Congressional Delegations. And um, it's one thing to take a military jet to Afghanistan. It's another one to take it to Germany. You know, the costs are really enormous. Uh, But they like to have these congressional delegations where they have a designated jet going to Germany or to Britain or to places that has plenty of commercial travel. And the email was um, there were there were no jets available for a Codel. and the codel resulted in um, and you see the emails. Well, well is there uh, the Air Force says well aren't can't we use commercial travel? And the speaker's rep said, "You're right, but you know how it gets with the spouses. What does that mean?"
0: Are you interested in running for office? Want to work on a campaign? At the Leadership Institute, it is our mission to increase the effectiveness of conservative activists and leaders in the public policy process. We offer over 40 different trainings, including campaign management school, on-camera TV trainings, and writing workshops. If you want to make a difference in public policy, visit leadershipinstitute.org. That's leadershipinstitute.org.
1: Members go on these official trips on a commercial jet. Guess what? Their spouses don't ride for free, they got to pay their own way. But if there's this a military jet, the spouses can hitch a ride for free. And those Codells are bipartisan. Now, John Boehner, um, and that was really the only scandal for Nancy Pelosi during her term. I mean, Air, Air Pelosi right? And uh, John Boehner, to his credit, said, well, I'm not going to fly to Ohio. I mean, that was a gimme for John Boehner. I'm sure he's getting um, donors paying uh, for private jets to get him back and forth to Ohio. But either way, better that than our military being stretched even further. But um, Judicial Watch, uh, because we're willing to ask these questions no one else is willing to ask, is effective at getting information, and we see that with uh, most tellingly with Benghazi, and uh, as you recall, you had four Americans murdered on uh, September eleventh, 2012, and the administration of President Obama immediately started lying about be- what was behind that. They blamed a video, uh, suggested that people were smearing uh, the prophet, and uh, that um, uh, the uh, uh, there was no there there in terms of a terrorist attack. Uh, until the truth obviously came out, and they had to admit the truth. And the president at the time was seeking re-election, and one of his big campaign themes was, bin Laden is dead, GM is alive. Not a bad campaign theme if you're running for re-election as president. He did kill bin Laden, or so he says. He hasn't released the photos, though. The, uh, uh, so, so you had this terrorist attack. He went in there and had Gaddafi killed. And, and Libya turned into a mess. And uh, rather than admit that Al Qaeda had committed a terrorist attack, the ambassador who was killed, the first ambassador killed in line of duty like that since Afghanistan 1979, uh, he came out and they blamed an internet video, which was a bald faced lie. And this guy was lying to keep himself in office, lying about people being murdered. His employees, our ambassador being murdered in a terrorist attack, the president and all of his women, Mrs. Clinton, Susan Rice. What a terrible scandal! And uh, we knew there were these false, this false information out there, and they were blaming the intelligence community for telling him, "Oh, it was a video." Well. Long story short, we sued for Benghazi documents. We have multiple lawsuits for Benghazi documents. There have been five congressional investigations going nowhere, and uh, we had been pushing for to have a select committee, a super committee, like Iran-Contra, like Watergate, to look into this Benghazi scandal. And John Boehner had resisted <coughs> because, you know, they like scandals only so much. <coughs> and um, long story short, we get a document and I said, holy moly, this is going to be very interesting to the media because it was a document from the State Department from the White House showing that it was the White House that put out the talking points about the false video. About the video. And that document had been obtained by Judicial Watch <coughs> but had been withheld from the media and withheld from Congress. And John Boehner, you know, went ballistic. And he appointed a select committee thanks to Judicial Watch's disclosure of that document. You know we're proud of that, and that select committee continues to this day. Trey Gowdy is the chairman. But um, why did we do it? I mean, why was it left to Judicial Watch to do it? And that and that, that infamous these uh, that infamous uh, set of talking points, the Rhodes email. Uh, who is a he's a national security uh, public uh, public affairs advisor in the White House, sent it out to all the top White House people about blaming this on a video and actually using the Benghazi attack on the talking points to bolster to show how the president's strong. So they have four dead Americans. No military have been sent to rescue them. The CIA officials who were there and contractors who were there uh, were delayed in going to rescue them. As I said, for political reasons, you know, you can't say you're having a successful foreign policy and have to invade Libya because of Al Qaeda terrorist attack. And if it means leaving people behind, so be it with this president. What an outrage. i tell you, one of the documents we did uncover that I thought deserved more attention and I'll share with you is that um, uh, when you read them, it's really dramatic because you're seeing re- t- real-time emails about the attack. And, you know, they're liberals, but they're human beings, and they're upset, as you might imagine, about the terrible nature of what was going on. But no mention of demonstrations. No mention of videos. It was an attack. But the idea um, was that um, there's nothing that could have been done, which we know is false. But the, one of the intelligence um, uh, points that they had received, and I, you read, was a report to Susan Rice and others in the State Department saying, we got a call from someone using Ambassador Stevens's RSO-issued phone, Regional Security Office or issued a phone, and the call was made to Tripoli, which was the main place, uh, obviously, for our diplomatic corps out there. And they said they were next to Stevens at the hospital and he was alive and well. And the person said, well, of course, if he was alive and well, why didn't he make the call? Fair question, many fair answers to it. He could have been unconscious and alive and well or, you know, just not able to talk and, but alive and well. My point being, they had intelligence. The ambassador for the United States of Libya was alive and well, and yet they still didn't send anyone to go to that hospital to rescue him. The military was still not sent in. So the intel was that the ambassador was alive at the hospital, yet nothing was still done. And I think there's going to be a lot more. There's another Benghazi cover-up we just exposed earlier this month or last year, or I guess last December at this point, December. Um, On September 11th, there was no security contract. Uh, The Blue Mountain Group, which was the private security firm that was using the February 17th Martyrs Brigade, that sounds like a reassuring name for a militia group, huh? To provide security for our uh, special mission there. Um, they didn't have a license. So Blue Mountain Group was a UK firm. In order to operate in Libya, they had to associate with locals who were politically connected in the Middle East, and they got into a dispute. And two days before September 11th, the Blue Mountain Group got a letter from their local partner saying, you don't have a license, and you you can't be doing any work. Now, why do you think that local... Group wanted to get out of Dodge two days before September 11th. And on September 11th, we just obtained emails showing that the State Department had faced an emergency because they didn't have security, licensed security. Security was there, but these guys didn't know who they were working for. There had been fights for months prior to that. There had been attacks on the facility. And uh, on September 11th, they didn't have, they, there was no license. They didn't have a legal security force in Libya, and they knew that. Of course, the local Libyans knew that as well. Again, that was obtained by Judicial Watch, not by the Select Committee, but by Judicial Watch. And the, and, and the Obama administration withheld that information. They sent t- talking points about, that de- about the security issue to Congress. We got to talking points. It gets very detailed, day by day, on July 10th, this happened. In September, there was a contracting concern. What they don't say, on September 11th, 2000, September 9th, the contract was ended. September 11th, we noted there was an emergency situation as a result of this. They withheld that info from Congress. You know, if the Democrats were running the show, there'd be criminal investigations and grand juries going on at the wazoo on the withholding of this information obstructing Congress. Uh, And I just don't understand uh, why, and I don't think it's for lack of interest. I just don't, I think it's just lack of leadership uh, that the uh, Republicans don't take a stronger stand on affirming its own uh, ability uh, and and Congress's oversight responsibilities under the Constitution. And I want to leave some time for questioning, so I'm just going to talk about the IRS now. You know, the IRS you know, back during the Clinton years, we were audited by the IRS for every year of our existence. And we went and met with IRS officials, and they told my colleagues and I, what do you expect when you sue the president? You're going to sue the government, the government's going to sue you. And our audit commenced after someone complained to, uh, uh, sent a letter to Bill Clinton complaining about our, I guess, some of our um, activities. And uh, the White House forwarded that letter of complaint to the, um, um, the IRS commissioner's office. And the audit happened within a, a six weeks. You know, that's illegal, by the way. But, um, you know, we sued, we, you know, you can't sue. We, we essentially were audited for seven years. We came out, but we sued and we fought. And we complained about the IRS treatment of us, and we kept on complaining. And every time we complained, it seemed like they added a new audit year. Or they asked for more information. Essentially, we had to give them everything we did over the last the first seven years of our history. We were audited uh, um, um, at the end. They began in the beginning at the end of the Clinton administration. We fought for a year and a half. They said, "Well, we'll wait till the beginning of the Bush administration," which they didn't do. And then it began. Then it occurred during the Bush administration. Bush administration didn't rein them in. But who was acti- Who was head of the exempt organizations branch of the IRS at the time? No. Stephen Miller. Stephen Miller then was acting IRS commissioner under mm. President Obama. So Miller was in the hierarchy, and he was around the exempt organizations branch, which is the branch that does all, all that, those audits of heritage and all those other groups during the Clinton years. He was the guy running the show there. And we would complain to him, and he was, gave us no, no ground, no help. So it was no surprise to learn as acting IRS commissioner you had these abuses under the IRS. And this is what happened. The left does not want groups independent of the state to participate in politics. They don't like non-governmental organizations. I can tell you at Judicial Watch uh, we're on the State Department's list in a good way. We're kind of on the whistleblower, we're on the whistle stop uh, The whistle stop for visitors from abroad who are coming to learn about the way America operates in our government and our accountability systems. And so we get visitors from all over the world who come and visit with Judicial Watch. Third world, first world, second world. And I can tell you uh, that uh, they listen to what we say and they shake their heads. You meet with a Chinese communist, they kind of stare at you with uh, some anger, and the others are kind of nervous, but... Uh, They, you know, because if they were doing what we're doing, and God bless America, God bless America, because, you know, my family and I would be dead, and you'd all probably be dead too, probably given your activism, or in jail or worse, if you were in other countries like France. I mean, like, you know, North Korea. (laughs) But, you know, I say that half-jokingly in the sense that even in Western Europe, They just don't have, and I know Leadership Institute is very interested in trying to get these groups up and running. They just don't have these non-governmental organizations that provide watchdog work on the government. I met with a prosecutor from France, and I was telling him about Judicial Watch, and he said, you know, um, I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, we simply have no concept of that type of activity in our country. They just don't. And the, and the non-governmental organizations that are, serve as watchdogs or critics of the government usually are funded by the government or, or essentially arms of the government. It's kind of like having PBS uh, Judicial Watch in, in some of these other countries. So, um, and of course that leads to more statism and more corruption in those countries. And so the status here, the left here, doesn't like uh, independent voices in politics. They want to be able to regulate businesses without businesses being able to have a say in how that happens. They want to be able to tax you without you being able to organize yourself into a tea party. Uh, They don't like big, you know, leftists like big money in government, but they don't like big money in politics. You know, because the politics is about the polity. It's about the people. The government, they don't mind too much about. And so, with the Citizens United decision, which opened up the floodgates as far as the left was concerned uh, in terms of corporate spending and allowing groups to spend more and say more about politicians in office and those running for office, uh, they were outraged by it. And so, they started thinking, well, what is it we can do? Well, let's start taxing the gifts of those who give money to these C4 groups, these dark money groups. People said there's no basis in law for that, so they backed off from that. And then they announced an individual high net worth audit program. It happened to coincide with Mitt Romney being the presumptive nominee for the presidency. They're going to focus on auditing rich people, They're the big donors to the groups that they hated. And then they had the problem of the Tea Party. And the Tea Party, and the problem with the Tea Party, the Tea Party. Came about was because everyone was tired of being suckers. You were, I mean, the beginning of the Ob- end of the Bush administration, beginning of the Obama administration. You paid your mortgage, no benefit. You didn't pay your mortgage, no problem. And all these bailouts were occurring, and businesses, you could, if you weren't politically connected or you weren't big enough, you didn't get a bailout. Otherwise, you did get a bailout. If you paid your mortgage, you followed the rules. There was no benefit, but. You got all these benefits if you didn't. And you you were a sucker if you followed the rules. That, to me, was the basis for the Tea Party. And the Tea Party being um, people who like to follow the rules, started organizing themselves. And to organize yourself effectively, you have to kind of be a corporation. And so they wanted to be honest. So they started filing their C4 applications with the IRS, which wasn't required, by the way. You don't need to, as a C-4, you can organize and just begin operating. You don't need the approval of the IRS. The left didn't file those C-4 applications because they understood that. But, again, the suckers at the Tea Party groups were doing what they thought was right, dotting their I's, crossing their T's, filing their applications. And the IRS just sat on them. They just sat on them. They didn't want to reject them because that would have led to legal and First Amendment challenges, and they knew they would lose, so they just sat on them and peppered them with questions that were inappropriate, you know, asking about who their donors were, who attended their meetings, what books they read, uh, targeting them because uh, they believed in making the country a better place, quite literally, because they liked against, were against Obamacare. Uh, the IRS also was leaking the names of donors to some of these groups that were uh, conservative, auditing their donors as well. And, uh, and as Morton is taking the leadership on, has been, they were auditing um, uh, C3 groups that were already in existence. And so we kind of knew that was going on, but we didn't have a good feel for it. And I know it suppressed the activities of these groups. And I can tell you, in the run-up to a re-election, you had the Tea Party movement, the most significant political movement in a generation. Everyone's saying in 2000, what happened to it? Well, I can tell what happened to it. They couldn't operate. The movement was suppressed in the reelection of, for 2012 by the president's IRS. And you see that the Democrats in the Senate were pushing the IRS to go after these people as well. So it was a coordinated effort and so you had the IRS suppress an entire political movement against the President of the United States and he gets re-elected. To me that's how you steal an election in plain sight. You know 500,000 votes in three or four states could have swayed the election and we'd be talking and complaining about President Romney right now. And you can't tell me that the Tea Party if it was operating and effective and going at full bore as it should have been doing, and would have been doing, but for interference unlawful by the IRS wouldn't have been, would have been able to make a difference there. And again, it was Judicial Watch who got key IRS documents about what Lois Lerner was up to. And we found not only was it a big lie that it was local offices, it was running of, it was run out of Washington, but we saw that you had Senate Democrats pushing hard on the IRS. We also saw that the IRS was communicating with the Department of Justice in 2010. We found out in 2013 that they had done it just two days before, a few days before it leaked, uh, the IRS uh, story broke. Uh, But um, they were talking at the uh, DOJ about prosecuting the very groups that the IRS was suppressing. And as a result of Judicial Watch's disclosure, the Congress went back and found that the IRS had sent every file on every C4 group in the country to the FBI and had met with the OJ in 2010 about criminally prosecuting these people. And we know the FBI was visiting our friends like Catherine Engelbrecht, true to vote. So this is more than an IRS scandal. This is an FBI scandal and a Department of Justice scandal. And the president's responsible. If we had a system that was working, the president would no longer be president. He would have resigned. His tax agency going after his political opposition in such an aggressive and massive way and in an, unapolo- an unapologetic way. Remember, he said it was an outrage and can't tolerate this. And supposedly there were investigations, which were still ongoing. And then he says there's not a smidgen of corruption. How does he know? And I don't think the president. I, I believe the president directed it. By the way, I don't think we need proof that he directed it. And all you need to do was look to his rhetoric, rhetoric. Look to the skies. He's the president. He's responsible. And by being responsible, when you suppress the First Amendment rights of so many Americans, you need to take ownership of that and resign. And if you're abusing the IRS, President President Nixon was impeached for even talking about auditing people. And when now we know the IRS was unlawfully not only auditing and targeting people, uh, but leaking information. And there's yet to be any serious criminal investigation by the Justice Department that we now know is conflicted and compromised. And Congress isn't doing this work. Well, they're trying to, we're saying they're doing, but they issue subpoenas, and they can't get anywhere on it. And, uh, you know, I'll just close with the illegal immigration crisis. I mean, this is a president who thinks he can just stop enforcing the law and change the law on a whim. You know, the Founding Fathers uh, warned us against elected despotism. And this president, again, quoting the Founding Fathers, just sees this Constitution as a mere parchment barrier, a parchment barrier to doing what he wants to do. And we have a Republican leadership that is willing to fund this lawlessness, as best I can tell. And this has been going on for years, by the way. This president has decided on his own that if, unless you're a sucker who gets caught at the border and is immediately turned back, that if you get across the border and you're here, you're not going to get deported. Unless you commit a heinous crime, and even then, you may not get deported. So, essentially, uh, he stopped immigration enforcement all on his own. And he's uh, redirected uh, the Department of Homeland Security. He's changed programs in a way that only a legislature can, changed immigration law in a way only Congress can. Uh, and he's taken on to himself the power of president, the executive, but also the legislative and the judicial. You know, that's that's what we rebelled against. and. Um, you know, Judicial Watch is trying to uh, challenge it by exposing it. We're thinking of ways to challenges these policies in court. We challenged his rewriting of Obamacare in court, exposed that as well. Uh, but Congress has really got to get on the ball. And uh, it seems to me that there needs to be criminal investigations of the misuse of these government funds, criminal investigations of the IRS, and I mean serious ones, where you have grand juries going on and witnesses going back and forth. And that's the only way politicians start paying attention, is when you start putting them in jail. You know, this administration manages to uh, put the public integrity section, you know, put um, uh, Governor McDonald in jail. And um, this public integrity section was the one collaborating with the IRS on prosecuting innocent Americans for exercising their First Amendment rights all in the context of a re-election campaign at the president and in 2010 you had the you know the, uh, the the tea party wave coming with republicans on the hill and so the republicans come in and they do nothing there are investigations going on and there'll be investigations going on to, through the next election the question is are they going to do the hard work are they going to defund the lawlessness are going are they going to push for criminal investigations there's not a dollar that falls from the sky that doesn't do it without the blessing of John Boehner and Mitch McConnell now. And everything that happens, they're responsible for. I really believe that. So they would be, they will be complicit from now on, from here on in, on Obama lawlessness because they're writing the checks for it to occur. And if they want independent criminal investigations, they can shut government down or make it very painful for the administration. Uh, to operate until there's a sufficient uh, there's a, a, a sufficiently independent special counsel appointed to investigate obstruction in Benghazi to investigate the IRS. But in the meantime, we're going to continue our work. We're going to do our Freedom of Information Act requests. We're going to challenge the administration directly. We're going to challenge local governments when they misuse uh, misuse resources. There's a great um, uh, opportunity. In certain states, liberal states, they have what is known as taxpayer standing. As a taxpayer, you can challenge government misuse of your money. If government officials are spending money illegally, as a taxpayer, you can say, I challenge this and want to stop that from happening. California is great for that. We did that successfully over a sanctuary illegal alien policy until the courts said, well, uh, taxpayer standing doesn't really work here anymore. Liberals love all these... uh, ways of suing government until conservatives start using them. Thanks for listening
0: to the Wednesday Wake Up Club Breakfast Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to share and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. To listen to more Breakfast, head over to the Leadership Institute YouTube channel and to see who our next WWCB speaker is, visit our website at leadershipinstitute.org The Wednesday Wake Up Club Breakfast Podcast is produced and edited by Alexander Chang with support from Tiffany Roberts and Jared Cummings. Advertisements by Alexander Chang and Christopher Olson.
1: Executive produced by David Fenner and Morton Blackwell.